In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. One of the great gifts of my childhood was that I had a third set of grandparents. I had an extra set because my mom spent a season of her life studying and living and then working in Paris. And for the first part of that time, she lived with a family that she stayed very close to, and that meant that I got to grow up with them. They lived in a pretty traditional house just outside of Paris in one of the surrounding suburbs, which meant that like many other houses in the area, they had a big front garden area surrounded by a very tall wall and a big, beautiful wrought iron gate. Now, admittedly, there are some very embarrassing pictures of little me with very big bangs and very brightly colored dresses in front of this gate. But still, I loved the gate and I am still very fond of the gate despite that photographic evidence. I looked forward to it wherever it was we were going, whether we were going in or out. I loved the way that it swung open fast and wide. I loved the sound of the key clicking and turning the big metal gears inside when we unlocked it. I loved even the faded color of it. But most of all, I loved what was behind it. People who became part of my family and part of my story. People who, as a kid, spoiled me and taught me silly games and nurtured in me a love of language and culture and food that wasn't my own. There was a whole life that happened behind that gate a life that meant an awful lot to me, a life that ultimately changed and influenced and enriched every piece of my life and who I am now. Going through that gate in both directions actually led to new adventures, new learning, growth, happiness, laughter, fullness. Whether we were in the city or at the stove or in the garden or walking around the corner to the market, on both sides of that gate, I learned who I was and who I would be. And the goodness and the abundance of joy that I experienced there spilled out and ended up changing my whole life. This morning in the gospel, we hear again this pastoral theme of sheep. We actually just talked about sheep and heard the 23rd Psalm a couple of weeks ago in Lent, the second week of our staying at home because of COVID-19. And I preached a sermon that was primarily about the Psalm about David, about sheep that aren't so bright, but are smart enough to know their shepherd, to distinguish his voice from the rest of the voices around them, and about the brilliance of David sometimes, who wasn't always so brilliant, but knew that he needed a shepherd. This morning's texts and gospel have similar themes. We revisit the idea of sheep who need their shepherd to lead them to pasture, because in the sheepfold, where they're safe, there is no food and water. So to find the things that will sustain their life, they have to follow their shepherd out of their safe little enclosure, out of the fold, out to whatever pasture the shepherd chooses, which means they have to know his voice, to have a relationship with him and trust him enough to go where he wants to go, to eat the things he chooses. And all of these things are still true for us in these texts. But what's different about the gospel this morning is the way that Jesus talks about himself. This is not the Good Shepherd passage where we get the comforting Jesus who promises to go looking for us when we get lost. That text is much more familiar to us. In this gospel, Jesus says something very different. He says, I am the gate. And to know what that means, we have to first 
know a little bit about keeping sheep in the first century, which um, at least is outside of my general realm of experience and I suspect is also outside of yours. But the disciples and the people around Jesus would have known what he meant by this in part because it was common knowledge for them. So we have to take a quick look. First, the sheepfold was probably a, a large pile of rocks, maybe even white rocks kind of stacked on each other and forming a sort of three foot, maybe four foot high semicircular structure, protecting the back of the sheep as they slept. A modern equivalent might look like a very small sort of outdoor concert shell. And at sundown, the shepherd would lead the sheep into this enclosure so that they could spend the night in safety. They'd be protected by these rocks at the back, by the fence that goes around the sides, and by one gate at the front. More than likely, there was only one gate for safety and for security reasons. If the fold was big enough, there might have been multiple flocks that slept inside the same enclosure, but there was only one person every night, one shepherd or maybe a watchman, who was in charge of letting the flocks in. And once they were all in safely, that person would lay himself down in front of the gate to sleep, to make very sure that no one and nothing got in or out of the fold. So if thieves or bandits or even predators were going to try to get into the sheep, they'd have to climb over the wall because the gate was blocked and guarded. And then in the morning, that same shepherd or watchman would let the flock out of the enclosure to follow their shepherd to food and water. So when Jesus says that he is the gate, he means that he is the only safe way in and out of the fold. He is the pathway to safety, to rest at night, more broadly, metaphorically, to peace. And he is the pathway to food and water, so more broadly, to the stuff of life. He's telling us that he is the only guarantee of safety, the one who lays down his life, who sleeps at the gate to make sure that we are safe. And he is the only one who can lead us out, not just to pasture where we get to sustain our life. The text doesn't end by saying he comes so that we can have mediocre life or so that we can have just enough to get by. Instead, he promises us abundant life. But that doesn't appear to mean that we are completely safe or immune from the world around us. There's still in the text that pesky reference to thieves and bandits who would climb over the wall for their own selfish reasons, to steal the sheep, maybe to lead them away. So the text seems to invite us to wonder this morning, who and what are the thieves and bandits of our lives? Who are the people? What are the things, the ideas, the patterns, the movements, that distract us and lead us away. At best, these things lead us away to put our trust in another gate, to follow a different path, maybe to be part of a different flock, to think we're safe in a different kind of enclosure, to rely on the safety of something or someone else, or even to believe that we'll find abundance somewhere else. The implication is that these thieves lure us away with promises of food and drink that don't fill us promises of wealth and security, of power or control, that say they'll keep us safe, that give us the illusion of safety. And yet, at its best, that is nothing more than a false promise or a smokescreen. At worst, these things and false prophets lead us not just astray, but lead us toward death, 
into suffering, into isolation or fear and anxiety, into a dependence on power or substances or relationships that aren't healthy. Jesus's point is that these thieves and predators who come before him, or maybe who try to come around him, have their own selfish reasons in mind. They don't actually come because they love and want to save or care for the sheep. They're interested more in what they can get from the sheep, in milk or wool and numbers and a growing flock or worse, maybe in a nice, warm, meaty supper. The sheep, when they're distracted and led away, rarely get what they think they'll get out of the deal. If it's abundance that's promised, it's an empty promise at best, and often it's dangerous and destructive instead. The only path to abundant life for the sheep, to a pasture where there is food and drink that is actually fulfilling, where there are healthy relationships with the rest of the flock that are equal and just, the path to wholeness and fulfillment is through the gate that is Jesus Christ. So the text asks us to take seriously this morning what else in our life, who else has promised to be the gate? The gate to peace, the gate to safety, to happiness, even to abundance. What thieves and robbers have come over the wall to get our attention, to lead us away from what is real and good? Where other than Jesus do we put our trust and our hope? Is it in wealth, in security, in our image, in our strength as individuals, in the latest health fad or fashion trend? How have we tried to redeem ourselves, to convince ourselves that through our own perfectionism and our own work, we can save ourselves? What have we allowed to claim us and our trust? If nothing else, this time that we're experiencing right now should have shown us that we don't have as much control as we think. We aren't as invincible as we'd like. Instead, our bodies are pretty fragile and our connections to each other and to creation are much more profound and much deeper and much more tenuous than we wanted to see before. We need each other and we need to put our trust somewhere safe, somewhere sure. The invitation and the good news of this text this morning, especially in this time of distance and unknowing, is that Jesus Christ is the gate, the path, the choice that leads to abundant life, to safety, to peace, and to the stuff of life. And if we put our whole trust in him by walking through that gate, there is goodness that will fulfill us. But putting our whole trust in him instead of the world around us, instead of trends and fads, is much harder than it sounds. Because we have to learn to think of ourselves more as a flock than an individual sheep. We have to learn to take the risk of, of leaving our enclosures. We have to be able to hear and follow his voice above all others and resist the many lovely but empty distractions of the world around us. Only then can we have the abundant life on the other side of that gate. Only then can we fully discover ourselves in the midst of this life, spoiled and surrounded by abundance, but equal to our neighbors, learning our own story, but part of the larger story and culture of others, discovering the gifts of community, of people, of diversity and of each other, even as we learn to cherish and hold on to 
the uniqueness and the belovedness that God gives us as individual people. Only then do we get to know the blessings of abundance from a God who wants to give us more than we can ask or imagine. Only when we find our way to the gate that is Jesus and push our way through. So this morning, I hope you'll take the invitation of this text. I hope you'll look around seriously and wonder what it is you need to surrender in order to put your whole trust for this life and the next in him. What thieves and robbers have you listened to that you need to send away? The good news, the very good news is that this gate is not locked and there is no key. It is open to everyone who will try to follow his voice, his steps, his way of love. And this gate swings open fast and wide for anyone who will put their trust in him. And on both sides of the gate, there is abundance, peace, goodness, the stuff that makes this life real and fulfilling, and the stuff that promises us that there is a next life stored up. Amen.